You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. He's joining me for this episode, previewing the defensive side of the ball for our spring preview is Nick DeLatore from GatorCountry.com. Nick, thanks for hopping on, man. Appreciate it. I don't know if I'll have uh, all the stats you had last week, but uh, <laughs> it was like two friends sitting there talking ball. Absolutely. That's what, yeah, that's what this is going to be about. Uh, of course, it's a lot easier to find those quarterback numbers than any other position. So, mm-hmm. yeah, n- not as many numbers on this one. Yeah, that's what everyone wants to talk about. Anyway, it's, it's quarterback. I see Twitter's fighting today about quarterback again. <laughs> uh, that is, uh, it, it never stops. It never stops. So, uh, I mean, you get, you're getting away from baseball for a little while. Yeah, well, back to uh, back to the field tomorrow, Florida, Florida State. So that's a big one. It's, it's like rivalry week because then Georgia comes in after that. So uh, that's a big week for Gator fans. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk baseball just for a second. What? So number one, Florida, sure. and then what? Number number two, Georgia, right? Georgia's number two. Uh, I mean, I honestly didn't even check to see yeah. the D1 baseball's new standings, but they're good. Georgia's a really good team. Um, Friday night will be, will be big. Emerson Hancock for Georgia, their starter. He, he's a guy that, that puts up triple digits on the radar gun. Um, and Tommy Mace. So that's, you know, that's – you talk about it all the time. But Friday night in the SEC, you're facing guys that are, you know, big league arms, and that, that's certainly true this week. Um, but I think it'll be a nice little beat down of Florida State. Florida's won – what is this? I, I had the stat pulled up when I was writing my, my preview for it. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, they've owned FSU, and it's, yeah. it's like to the point where you wonder when, when or if it'll ever stop. But they've won um, 11 in a row, 16 of the last 17, and they've swept the last four regular season series. The only win FSU has over Florida in the last 17 games was one time in a region or in a super regional, yeah. which they ended up losing two, two of three, and getting bounced out of the tournament anyway. <laughs> So, guys, of course, if uh, of course football on Gators Breakdown is is where it's at. But if you're you're doing yourself a disservice, you don't follow Nick for all the baseball coverage out there. I know the basketball team's been disappointing, but uh, the, the baseball team out there, sixteen and zero, right, Nick? Sixteen, sixteen and zero, and the school record. So that's already the school record to start a season, um, and the record for any point of the season is eighteen. So they're you know quickly approaching. Um, the school record for consecutive wins. Yeah, so 18 with the uh, schedule coming up this week would be would be awesome. So yeah, 
All right. So, yeah, of course. Football talk coming up right here on Gators Breakdown. Thanks for Nick for hopping on uh, for this episode. But before we get there, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the past episodes there. If you missed our offensive preview last week, uh, Will Miles and I broke down the offense and uh, really dove into Kyle Trask, quarterback battle, all that good stuff there. So uh, you can go uh, check that out at news4jacks.com or all the popular podcasts popular podcast platforms out there and follow us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And as a reminder, come see me for a speaking engagement for the Fighting Gators Touchdown Club in Gainesville on April 23rd, right after the spring game on April 18th. So we'll have plenty, plenty to talk about after uh, spring practice kicks off next Monday and then the spring game on April 18th and the speaking engagement there in Gainesville, April 23rd. So, all right, some questions sent our way to talk this defensive side of the ball. And uh, we'll start right here from a friend of the podcast, Trey. Trey Moves 66. Uh, Nick, Trey, he was actually with us in Atlanta after the Peach Bowl. Um, so we uh, that, that, was a, that was a fun time back then. Uh, okay. Where, yeah. yeah. Those times get, uh, <laughs> get fuzzy. Oh, man. Yeah. After about 9 o'clock that night, it was uh, completely fuzzy. I thought you're you're a bad influence. I'm I'm sticking to it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Oh man, yeah. Every time we have we have, we have a good time when we get together. So uh, Trey Moose says, with no clear cut first rounder yet established, what one to two guys will step up and become the alpha dogs on the field? I think the defense will be solid. Just not sure who the dudes will be. And kind of along the same line here from Georgia Gator uh, at J Win B nineteen eighty four. Who has the potential to be game changers on defense? And one more along the line, uh, along the same lines from Pulling Guard seventy nine. Where does Diabate play? Buck Grantham has mentioned he thinks inside linebacker could be his best position, but I love him coming off the edge. And the reason I threw that last one in there because that's where I'm going to start, Nick, as far mm-hmm. as a uh, potential game changer on defense. Uh, pulling guard mentions Diabate's uh, versatility, and, and that's one reason I see him uh, as a potential game changer here. He can can come off the edge. We got a glimpse of that. Uh, the best it could be in that Vanderbilt game and, and other times during the season. And, and Florida has some options at that strong side defensive end position where they, where they, you know, where they garner attention with, with guys like Zach Carter, Britton Cox, they'll take some, he'll take some snaps there as well. Jeremiah Moon, a lot of snaps at Buck. Uh, you brought Diabate to push for snaps there as well, but athletic, very, very smart player, uh, leadership qualities to him as well. So I think it'd be hard to keep him off the field We've seen Todd Grantham get the most out of guys like Jacopo Light, Jabari Zaniga, Jonathan Grenard, and I think Diabate's next in line. He can be he can be moved around, buck, star, linebacker, and I can see you get that point sometimes where you might be too versatile and, and, and really need to concentrate on, on a specialty or, or one, two positions, but it gets him on the field. He, he's going to be hard to keep off the field just because of that. Uh, 21 quarterback pressures last season was only second to Grenard uh, in, in his limited stats. So with his skill set, I think there, you know, I think there's ways to hide and disguise him next season where he just becomes an absolute playmaker out there. Yeah. It springs always interesting because you might see guys not playing where you expect them to. And it, it, Cause it's just a time you're not game planning for anyone. So it's a time to, like you said, um, get a guy more tools in his tool belt and, um, I was almost caught off guard when when Dan Mullen was asked and about middle linebacker and replacing David Reese when he when he brought up Diabate because I, I thought like you just said with those stats like that's a guy that you can get 
quarterback pressures with. And, and that's the biggest thing in Todd Grantham's defense is affecting the quarterback. He's someone who can do it. And just putting him at middle linebacker, you're kind of taking that away from his game. But he's super, super athletic, um, can definitely run, would give you a different kind of linebacker, probably a linebacker that does, maybe Alex Anzalone would have that similar kind of athleticism. But I don't think we've seen, you know, a linebacker um, like him maybe since then. And um, to me, it'll be interesting because of the guys you mentioned at that buck position. And um, we won't see Moon in the spring as he keeps coming back from that injury. But Brenton Cox is the guy I asked about today, you know, former five-star Georgia guy. Um, he's there. And, and maybe it's just a way to say, hey, Mahmoud, we need to figure out other ways to get you on the field with Brenton Cox. And, and if he's at buck or if he's at strong side defensive end and we got to get Zach Carter on the field and, and Andrew Chatfield is going to be a guy that I think yeah. is factoring as well. So there's a lot of guys, and, and and those guys don't have the same versatility that Mahmoud does. So maybe that's why you start to see him, especially in the spring, well, hey, let's see if you can get middle linebacker. Where else can we get you? Because we want to get our best 11 on the field. And, and if you're a guy that can play, sure, you can go and get after the quarterback. We saw that. But if we can put you at Mike and, and you can cover a little bit and you can run fit, and, and that might be the way that we get our best 11 on the field. Not taking away anything from, you know, guys like James Houston and Ventral Miller. I think they'll continue to play, and, and they're probably more prototypical Mike linebackers. But um, I really – I think the the ceiling is, is – you know, there is no ceiling for for my mood. So, like, like, like I said, just try to find any way to get him on the field. Yeah, toward the end, what you said there, if you get stick him at Mike, then he'd just be replacing who was already a great leader in David Reese. And mm -hmm. I think that's one thing this defense will miss a, a little bit till they identify, you know, what kind of trade, you know, who's the alpha dogs, who's the leaders uh, on this defense. The Abate, I think he has that leadership quality. When he was getting recruited, I was like, yeah, that's the, you know, his type of demeanor is a guy I'd like out there. But even, even you said run fit, pass fits. Ideally, I think, you know, with his athleticism, he can keep up with he can keep up with running back side the backfield maybe a tight end uh, out there as well but you know he may be better suited if you know they're playing more of a passing team until he gets that because he was a little undersized last year I think if you're going to slide him into that inside linebacker role but mm -hmm. now another strength and conditioning offseason maybe he's put that weight on and like as you said they can fill in there uh, and be that leader at that Mike spot. Well, as a freshman, you they're you know they're really just trying to put as little on your plate as possible. So he was really only in on passing downs at Buck. Um, there were a little bit of responsibilities for him in terms of covering the flats. But uh, if you're moving to Mike, you're, we're talking about hey, depending on what the uh, offense comes out in, you might be one on one with with a tight end and and one on one with someone's and athleticism will get you will get you some places, but. It, it, there's still a lot of, you know, learning footwork and, and routes, and, and there's a lot of stuff that comes with that. And I think that's probably why you maybe – if we do see him there a lot in the spring, that's why you try to do it now. Kind of mm -hmm. like Kyle Pitts when he – his first spring, and it was, hey, did they move him to wide receiver? Well, he's only <laughs> working with wide receivers. It was, no, it's hey, we're trying to get him to go through and, and run all these routes and, and work on blocking outside, and that's how we're going to use him as a freshman and then – as a sophomore, we'll start to use him in other roles. But I, you know, it got to the point where people were saying, Mamu or Mamu, um, Kyle Pitts has been moved and he's playing wide receiver now. Like, he's a tight end, he's not a wide receiver, but it's just the spring is the time where you put people in those positions to learn um, stuff that maybe that you wouldn't ask them to do in the, you know, in, in fall practice for the first time. This is the right time to do it. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, another dude and another playmaker, and this is the obvious choice right now. That's Kyrie Elam. <laughs> it's uh, you know if you talk about one guy who who can show up as that dude, as that alpha dog. I think he's the for sure surefire pick here. Uh, of you know maybe like a, another guy who hasn't been picked as that already, you know, as in like Marco Wilson. So you have somebody yeah. now on the opposite side. Um, Pro Football Focus provided these stats that show just what Florida was getting in the young quarter, uh, young cornerback last season and why there's a reason to be excited. Elam was targeted 23 times across his 207 coverage snaps uh, and 11% target rate. So quarterbacks weren't throwing his way all that much. Uh, but when they did, he made them pay. Um, so 45 true freshman cornerbacks saw 20-plus targets and had 150-plus coverage snaps in 2019. Uh, the leaders in passer rating with targeted, Kyrie Elam was number one at 18.3. So the passer rating there when throwing towards Kyrie Elam, 18.3 uh, under the, the scenario of 20-plus targets and 150-plus coverage snaps. So already there uh, proving his worth. Uh, and kind of extending that pro football focus with a lot of stats here uh, when they go back and look at the season. 45 true freshmen as well. Cornerback spent 150-plus snaps in coverage um, and at least 20 targets their way. And the leaders in fourth incompletion percentage, Kyrie came in third uh, in, in that um, category uh, behind Taiwan Mullen from Indiana and Ahmad Gardner of uh, Cincinnati. Uh, so forced incompletion percentage there was 26 Point one percent. Also, lowest uh, completion percentage allowed true freshman cornerbacks of a minimum twenty targets. Uh, Kyrie Elam's fourth there. Uh, fewest yards allowed per reception. True freshman cornerbacks here. Kyrie Elam was third in that regard. And SEC East highest graded returning cornerbacks. This is just as a season pro football focus metric here. SEC's highest rated graded returning cornerbacks. Derek Stingley comes in ninety one point nine. Kyrie Elam, number two, 87.8. So, Nick, we all remember the Orange Bowl we had. Big interception late when Virginia was driving. Basically stopped their hope of a comeback win. Went up, plucked the ball out of the air with his great size. Played that ball, played that play exactly like he was supposed to. Went up and made a great play earlier in the game, taking down Virginia's big tight end on the play that looked like it was going for a big gain. Comes in, takes his legs out from under him. Uh, he was named SEC Leadership Council this offseason for the Gators. Nick, I think it's safe to assume he is going to be that alpha dog. Yeah, he's got that. I mean, alpha dog, not to not to be like a, a terrible pun guy, but he, he plays with that dog mentality. Yeah. I mean, he comes from that bloodline. I mean, his dad, Abe, was the same way when he when he was playing football. Matt Elam, I mean, you remember him almost killing Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> uh, in the swamp when they were playing LSU and telling him to go to sleep. I mean, that's what he grew up around. That's what he knows. That's how he plays football. Um, he was very impressive to me early on. And I think when CJ got hurt and, and, and missed some time, um, he, he really got thrown into the fire. And, and a lot of times you might, you know, a freshman, the moment can be too big for him. And, and listen, as a freshman, you're going to make mistakes and, and stuff's going to happen. I think it didn't happen that much to Kyrie, but even if you're thrown in and it doesn't work out well for you, just that experience and getting that as a freshman is going to help you so much in your sophomore year. And I mean, the the laundry list the you know the cvs receipt length list of stats <laughs> you just read off for him shows that he was ready for it as a freshman and i think just getting that experience last year is only going to help him into his sophomore year um and then another one i think because i think Kyrie is kind of getting the pub right now yeah. 
but another one that I'm really excited about um, and to see his progression is Chester Kimbrough. And I don't think he got as much run as I, I would have liked to see last year. I mean, it's, it's hard when, when the guys in front of you are Marco, uh, CJ, and Kair. But I'm really interested to see uh, Kimbrough because I think he's got that same kind of mentality, that same dog in him that, that Kair does. So I think Florida is just DBU, just keep running it back. And uh, it'll be really interesting to me to see the progression of them. And then I'm sure we'll spend a little time talking about it, but what, where does Trey Dean go? Because it's not going to be star. So who fills into that star role? Is it is Kimbrough ready to do that? Um, is Kair ready to do that? It's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it from – a mental standpoint. And that's really what trading struggled with. And that's why when people would ask, why can't Chester do this? Why isn't Kyrie doing this? I said, that's too much to throw to freshmen. There's so much you have to do. And I think I said early on, like I think Marco Wilson's the only person in the secondary that could probably handle that and jump into that role. And you saw that as Trey started to struggle, mm-hmm. that that was the guy they went to. So to me, it'll be interesting. I don't think you put Marco there full-time, Mm-hmm. Um, I think you want him to be on the outside. I think he wants to play on the outside. Um, but you, you got to figure that position out. It's so important. And I think as good as Chauncey was and, and as highly as we talked about him, I think maybe we didn't even praise him enough mm-hmm. for how well he played in that role until you saw, you know, a, a player who I think is very good, you know, despite what Twitter might think, um, how much trading struggled at that spot. I think maybe we did, didn't give – Chauncey as much praise as we should have. Yeah, I remember going into the last preseason and, and Will and I do these kind of superlatives going into the season, and it was who has the biggest shoes to fill. And I, I picked trading on, on that because right. I, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, what he was able to do. And look, I don't think I probably would have even, and don't get me wrong, he had a heck of a bowl game in that Peach Bowl. I don't know if I would have put him in that category if it wasn't for what he did in that Peach Bowl and what it meant for Florida's victory over Michigan. I mean, don't get me wrong, Chelsea Gardner-Johnson, we all, and Nick, I think you and I were basically beside each other when he's throwing up the Seminole head in the crowd in Tallahassee. I mean, you know, just the headline of him, the last regular season game of the season and having a good game and, and getting Gator Nation excited with the dead Seminole head in the crowd and then going and having that big Peach Bowl uh, uh, game against Michigan, yeah, it really spoke to, okay, this guy's going to be really hard to, to replace, and, and it really, really showed uh, that, and that does segue, as you perfectly seg- seg- segue into it, um, the next set of questions here, uh, starting from uh, at Rocketman Howe, who says, uh, who will play star? Will we see a rotation at safety, or will two guys get the majority of the snaps? Where do you see Dean playing? Uh, from Colby C3 and from Ryan S. I'll kind of combine their two questions here. Uh, Ryan S. at Go Gators for Life says, which guys can we expect to see at linebacker in safety? Also, are Dean and Bernie natural safeties? Should they play there permanently? And to keep it going here and to kind of bounce off Nick from Matthew Watson, what kind of role do you see Chester Kimbrough having this season? So I grouped those questions uh, all together because I think the answers interact with one, e- e- all the interact with each other so much. Mm-hmm. I think there are two players here that stand out at star heading in the spring. You've already mentioned Kimbrough. I'll throw Bernie in there too. Bernie's played there before, uh, split some time there last year as well, at, as, as, as well as linebacker. Uh, in a year where he was injured a bit, I know many expected much bigger things from him last year. And while I think Bernie plays some star, he may play at linebacker just as much, if, if not more, uh, as I think there may be more of a need for him there because I, I think that nickel star role will be just fine 
Nick, you said you were excited about him. I'm excited about him. I, I, I think Chester Kimbrough does get a, a shot there. Uh, Donovan Kaiser uh, of uh, All Gators uh, SI uh, posted this stat last week in an article in Kimbrough. Although he had 11 fewer targets, Kimbrough had a lower completion percentage allowed, 41.7, compared to Elam at 43.5%. So uh, all throughout the 2019 season, Elam was named freshman All-SEC first team after he took over as a starter uh, late in the season. So already mentioned how high we are on Elam, and and Kimbrough provided great stats in limited time as well. And since Marco Wilson came back, I see going to that topic, I see him – staying outside as much as possible. And I think part of that is I think it does play out where you can have a lot of confidence in Elam on the other outside spot and Kimbrough getting his time at star uh, with, with Bernie maybe filling in a little bit there too as, uh, as well. The spring is, is so big in determining just how much time I think Kimbrough gets in the fall because I think if he's the guy they pinpoint and can stay there mostly full-time, then they'll, that's the best-case scenario for this Gator secondary right now. If they want to still have Bernie help some at linebacker or safety, even as well, uh, you know there needs to be trust in whoever fills that nickel, and that should be Kimbrough. So there was some thought his size may hurt him at 5'11", 172, Nick, but you brought it up, man. He's physical. He, he plays like a dog as well, uh, and you know, he's got that physical streak for he needed to play at nickel. I mean, I've seen guys that are 6'2", you know, 215 pounds play like they're 5'10", 140. Um, So it's not about your size. Sure, you love to have it, but it's about how you play. And like you said, he doesn't play um, to his size. If we're talking just about spring, I'd be very surprised if Marco Wilson um, played at star. Oh, yeah. At at all. Because like we said about – uh, my mood it's hey we're trying to get guys reps and positions that maybe they're not comfortable with yet and you threw marco in there during a game last year handled it fine so it's like hey go back outside mm-hmm. guys like chester maybe um like you said it's also a position it's not just nickel you know like yeah when we would ask todd grantham about it he'd be like oh well my mood can do it well cedric brunson can do it and we're like those aren't nickelback <laughs> and you have to realize it depends on uh down and distance and mm-hmm. yard you know, it's just, hey, if, if, if you're in an obvious run situation, you're getting an extra linebacker there. And that's uh, why I brought up Bernie, too, because I think yeah. he, he, he plays that role if in, in more of a heavier set if they had to. Right. But he's also a guy that, you know, uh, he came into Florida as a safety. He was mm-hmm. a high school safety, and then they bulked him up and moved him to linebacker and um, just kind of got to keep him healthy. And um, I, I think Donovan Steiner, people might groan, but Donovan Steiner is going to – have one of those starting safety spots until someone takes it. Um, but you're, you got to replace Juwan Taylor and you got to find someone who's going to be back there. And, uh, Brad Stewart's an obvious candidate, but I think, you know, Trey Dean's a guy who will get some looks at safety. Um, Dan Mullen pretty much confirmed that on Monday. And, um, and there's, I think there's going to be a, just a healthy competition at safety. And I don't know if Amari Bernie is a guy that, plays there, you know, 30 snaps a game. Yeah. Um, but a guy that might be able to, to play back there, I think Trey Dean would be very good at safety. Uh, and that it, there's a lot of defensive backs. And I think that freshman class is going to be maybe even – I know the, the expectations are high, but I think they're going to be even better um, than, than we expect. I'm talking about last year, the uh, rising sophomore oh, yeah. class in the, in the defensive backs. Um, yeah, throw, yeah. Throw J, I mean, the only name there was Jadon Hill. You need to throw him in. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Hill's the only other guy. And, and – and, He's coming back from an ACL injury, so we'll see. Maybe he's more healthy, and there's a, probably a, a mental aspect that goes into coming back from the injury as well, not just, hey, your knee's fine. Okay, well, do I trust it yet? 
um, because it's such a devastating thing to happen, especially at that age, you know, in high school to have um, something like that happen. So it, there's a, just a lot of guys for, for not a lot of spots, um, but they like to rotate, rotate people. So it'd be interesting to me, but I, I think, I think if I'm game planning, if I'm Todd Grantham and I'm trying to see what is the best fit, like you said, I, I put Marco on one side, Kyra on the other, and then I'm trying to mix people in at that star role, mix different um, linebackers and, and safeties up. But I think, like you said, uh, I've got Marco, I've got Kyra on either side, and then we figure it out, you know, in the middle. Yeah, and safety. Yeah, good luck figuring that one now. I, I mean, I don't know if I was, if Florida was playing a game tomorrow, Sean Davis and Donovan Steiner maybe. Uh, and Brad Stewart. I mean, after a pretty good 2018 just didn't put it together in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, and I, I can't figure that one out but look they all had their ups and downs last year making some plays uh, also giving up big plays way too often it's just that lack of consistent playmaking that you get that you, that you don't get from there it's just that lack of consistency from those guys and you know look look and that maybe that trading does find a home there maybe he does go to safety natural position in in, in high school that's where he played for whatever reason and just hasn't been able to make the best of the situation here at Florida. 2018 gets thrust out there, maybe before he's ready, taken over from Marco and injured Marco Wilson. Moves to Nichols and Star last year, as we said, and it just doesn't happen. So this, if you know, if he's going to try safety, it sounds like he will. Uh, and when spring practice rolls around next Monday, his third different position uh, in as many years uh, for him. But you know, it's asking a lot for a player to move to an, uh, another position. Again, learn that role, uh, but he did play safety in high school and knows the basics of the position, so you don't have to necessarily teach him that part of it. And if he's got, if he's willing to make the move, then hopefully you know his shot. He gets a shot here, makes the most out of it. But as we said, this is where time is when next Monday that first whistle blows and they're out there on the field. This is the time to figure it out. Well, we talked to him. Um, it was Cassie Hill and I actually talked to him for like twenty five minutes um, in the locker room after the orange bowl. And he was very self-aware um, of the year that he had. And, and he said, you know, Hey, uh, we asked him, what do you want to do in the future? He was like, listen, I'll play. And, and frankly, he was asked last year in the spring to move to safety and he didn't want to do it. Um, so he didn't do it. And um, we talked to him after the orange bowl. And he said, listen, like this star just didn't work out for me. He's like, I, I was just having to think too much and I'm, I'm playing slower than I should be. Um, we asked him where he wants to play. He says, honestly, I, I would love to play outside. Um, but I'm fine playing safety. And I think that was probably the first time in two years that those words had come out of his mouth because um, it's a move that he had been asked about and, and didn't want to make previously. Mm-hmm. I think until he saw, okay, well, we're going to play you here. And then when he wasn't playing there, well, you can't go back to safety because you didn't, you didn't learn any of that in the spring and you, we haven't seen you play it there. So now you're going to be on the bench and you're going to come in whenever, you know, the guys that are playing outside need, need some water. And I think it was a big wake-up call for him. So um, we'll see. But I think, like you said, natural position could be could find a home there. Um, I, I, I just think I, – I don't think his 2019 season is indicative of the player that he is. Um, and almost he's, he's, guy, too, he's too athletic for that. He's just almost a guy that, like, I find myself rooting for now because of, like, that's not, that's not the player he is. He got roasted all year – um, on social media and, and he saw it and um, credit to him for not, you know, like picking fights with fans and stuff like that, but he read it and, and he knows that, that uh, what, what was being said. And uh, I'm, I'm rooting for him to find a home, whether it's a safety or outside. Uh, Cause I, I think he is a, a quality player and, and just really had a bad year last year. 
Maybe you know, makes that kind of bounce back Chauncey Gardner Johnson did from yeah. uh, you know that 2017 to, to 2018 year. So uh, also asked about linebacker here. We've touched on it just a little bit. It will definitely probably start out James Houston, Ventrell Miller, uh, Mullen even kind of mentioned that uh, in the presser today. Uh, but you know at points this season, Florida will need they'll need more athletic options uh, there at some point in the season. That's why I keep bringing up Diabate and Bernie uh, getting time there as well. Those guys still contribute, uh, but you know Miller, Houston, I still be big contributors this year may even still lead the team in tackles if you want to break it down that way uh so when they may still lead in pretty much every statistical category in, in that form uh when, when it's all said and done so the biggest thing there is who replaces the leadership of david reese i brought up earlier uh can one of those guys be that type of player overall uh, I'm, I expect players like Kyrie Campbell, Marco Wilson to kind of step up and, and be those guys, be the leaders on the team in the defense. Any well, but is there any well anyone else behind those guys as we I guess we want to label true linebackers? Uh, you know, David Reese will be missed in the run game certainly, but I'm wondering about that leadership experience he provided. Miller was second, you know, in the, on the team last year in, in tackles and, and had a great game in the opener versus Miami. Uh, you know, honestly, beside that mid-season stretch where the run defense struggled against LSU and South Carolina, um, he played well. Feel, you know, feel comfortable there for the most part. Biggest question, and I kind of brought it up earlier, Amari Bernie, Tyron Hopper, Bernie already discussed, but Hopper just might be the most at, most athletic of the group, a little smaller, hopefully the second season in, in, in strength and conditioning, bulk him up some more. But for a guy you want to help in pass coverage from the linebacker spot, much like Bernie, then Hopper is one guy to look out for in making a move this spring and pushing for reps. Yeah, I mean, all-American kind of guy. Uh, I think I saw one of his savage, you know, savage transformation <laughs> Um, doesn't look like the 215 that he was listed at last year. Looks doesn't look like he's that small anymore. Um, that calling 215 small. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that's that's interesting. There's a there's a lot of guys there, but like like you said, I think it's it starts probably with uh Miller and, and Houston. Um and, and it's just it really depends down in distance. And, and then what are those guys? Because like, I mean, uh you you also have we I mean we didn't even talk, we'll get to the defensive line, but you still have like Chris Bogle and, and and other guys like that. Um, to me, I, I, I would hope that, you know, a guy like Hopper can, maybe Josiah Pierre. Um, I'm, I'm really going to be interested in that role because you've got to find, like you said, more athleticism there. Um, Florida got exposed, and, and we I think everyone knew it. And obviously the coaching, the, the opposing coaches knew it. Florida's middle linebackers, you know, even James Houston, they weren't good in pass coverage. And, and you would see teams shift around to get David Reese on, on a tight end and, take advantage of it. So you got to find more athleticism there. I think Florida has it. Maybe that's why you're talking about Mahmoud and, and Hopper. But um, to me, I want to see it. And Florida's got the talent of guys in the slot. So I want to see that in the spring. It'll probably be a matchup that I'm watching to see how Florida's linebackers look um, running in space uh, against the pass. All right, moving on to the next set of questions here. Justin Wood at uh, Justin Wood on Twitter. Uh, who do we think the standout freshman will be? Uh, what does, and uh, we'll kind of hit this one right later on. I have no idea what the depth chart looks like game one right now, as you can hear, <laughs> if you, as you can hear Nick and I discussing in the first half of this episode so far. And then uh, Chris Nisi at nine one two Gator of the up of the incoming class of freshman DBs, who has the biggest impact? Uh, big plays, and who do you think ends up playing the most? I kind of hit on that uh, a little bit, but uh, um, let's see. True freshman. 
Let's see, pairing these two together because I, I think freshmen that are on campus and taking part in spring that have a chance to contribute are in the secondary. So uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Lamar Good's also taking part in spring, but I think he's behind a few players to, to crack too much into the rotation. So uh, Jahiri Rogers, Ethan Pouncey, I think two players in the secondary that could get some reps, probably both still redshirt candidates on the season, but two guys that can see plenty of reps in the spring. Rodgers only has one year of playing defensive back, but he's so athletic that it might be hard to keep him off the field. And if that can, you know, uh, translate early on, uh, I think, you know, athleticism, uh, you can't teach that. So uh, we'll see there. I just don't know. How many players did we just name? I know. That we're trying to fit into those spots. So, and I know, you know, the, the incoming freshman, it's like the, the new toy on, on Christmas. <laughs> and everyone wants to you play with that one. And then, you know, the, the toy you got a week ago, so I don't want that anymore. Um, but we just named so many people in the secondary. So like, how can I go out and say, you know, I, I mean, even as, as much as I like, you know, like, uh, like a Jahari Rogers or Ethan uh, Pouncey is the other one I was going to bring up. Uh, Torrance. At yeah. Um, I mean, as much as I even like those guys, we just named like 12 players for five spots of guys who have already been on campus and, and been battle tested and played in games and, and guys who are going through, you know, their third or fourth spring already. And if anything, we've learned this staff really, really values experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so well, much. But the other thing is, though, too, to, to the freshmen's credit, is that they also rotate guys. Yep. Even to the point where you're like, why are you rotating so many <laughs> players? Did they just substitute a guy in the middle of a play? Can you even do that? Uh, <laughs> they, they, they love getting guys time. And, you know, you might only get 15 plays in a game, uh, which, which means, you know, Hey, that means we have like 18 different different guys play, 25 guys play on defense. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, it, it is a luxury, uh, as you said, bringing up so many names and you still wanting freshmen to get some playing time, but it, it, but it is hard. Uh, and speaking of Pounce, he's you know, coming off injury. Uh, he needs to gain some weight, so you know that could hold him back from making an immediate impact this spring uh, because of those two aspects. But he's blazing fast, so eager to see how that plays out. They'll get their chances this spring. Uh, you know, Mullen even said t- t- today at this presser, his spring presser, feels pretty comfortable, Nick, at going three deep here uh, all across the board. And, you know, that's a testament to his recruiting the last couple of years, getting that talent level up there. Uh, and, and people were asking, you know, about these freshmen there because of that reason uh, there. So that they've recruited really, really well in the defensive backfield. So those guys get some chances this spring. I don't know how much during the summer, but if, if you or, or the fall, if you want to see these guys and you definitely need to pay attention this spring, um, maybe one of those guys shows enough uh, and will excite enough to, to maybe not get the red shirt in the fall, play enough to, to get us enough, enough reps in the, in the fall. But I agree with you, Nick, when you put it all together, it's just, it's tough for a freshman to, to break out, especially with so many of the, the, um, the red shirt freshmen and sophomores last year, they got a lot of playing time. That TV class was huge last year. And then they all got that experience because they, they were forced into it. So, yeah. um, I, I, you love to see them get some get some experience and get their feet wet, but I mean, there's just there's just a lot of a lot of guys there, and I mean, unless barring injury, you know, if somebody were to get hurt and go down, um, I, I just see. I mean, if 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 we see a lot of a freshman in the fall, they've earned it because I mean, like the guys in front of them, I I at least I think the guys in front of them are, are really quality players. So if, if I. I, just, I, I don't see it happening. So what I'm saying is if we do see it happen, then, hey, they've earned it. Kind of like a Kyrie Elam. Like the, you're mm-hmm. talking about a guy at that level um, being ready that young and being, be able, being able to be that good that young. Uh, there's just so many guys. 
that in that class. I, I think it'd be hard for this freshman class in the defensive backfield um, to get extensive playing time. Not to say that they're all going to redshirt. Um, I think there's just a lot of guys ahead of them right now. All right. And of course they are because, I mean, they haven't done anything yet. <laughs> we haven't, <laughs> they haven't put pads on yet. <laughs> yeah, still, still a week away from uh, spring practice and before they uh... – Notice we haven't uh, we haven't seen many of their pictures. So. Right. <laughs> uh, last question here, and going to the uh, one group we haven't discussed much about uh, from Tyler at Star Rock Dunk Top. Here says uh, with so many talented defensive linemen on the roster now, do guys like Chatfield, Summerall, and Humphreys need to contribute this year to not become transfer risk? Hard to see them playing much behind the talented freshmen we brought in and guys who got more playing time than them last year another guy i'll bring into this conversation just because of injury last year nick is one david reese mm-hmm. uh the other <laughs> david reese uh who um was injured last year i know the staff was excited there was a lot of talk of him kind of maybe uh being that kind of unsung guy like going into last year before he got injured so look these guys definitely need to contribute this spring or, or risk being passed over right. uh come, come in the fall this would be chatfield's third year in the program and with Britton Cox being a versatile piece, sliding between the strong side defensive end and, and buck position, uh, Chatfield's time at strong side defensive end could see a hit, ideally. I mean, if he wants some playing time, he needs to carve out a role when Zach Carter slides inside and someone like Brenton Cox is, is playing buck on a particular play. Then Chatfield can see his role at the strong side defensive end spot uh, and have a chance to make his name there. But look, he'll have to fend off a player like Chris Bogle, who looks like he's taking the next steps off the field uh, right now. And he seems to have an, he seems to have an edge there uh, right now uh, as the main backup to, to Carter. As far as Summerall, he was injured last season. Just don't really know a whole heck of a lot uh, as far as his performance. Uh, Florida has a lot of guys who fit that role right now. Versatile pieces, like we keep saying, Cox to Diabate, Moon with the experience there. They'll get him back in the fall. David Reese returning from injury was raved about before he didn't get a chance last year. Good thing is there's many pieces there. Versatile, versatile depth uh, can open up spots when they move around. And where does Reese fit in? Is he a secondary guy? Is he a line? Is he a linebacker? Um, He's a guy that could play potentially play star or or safety or uh, honestly, he's kind of like another Diabate to me. Yeah. He's worked at buck as well. I mean, I'm, really tough injury injury history for him um, of late. But, yeah, like you said, there's – I think – I, I forget. I didn't hear the name of who asked the question, but I never want to put guys, you know, on transfer watch. I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, put them on blast like that. But there are some guys, like 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 he said, that, you know, need to answer the call. And um, I think this spring is the time where they are either going to answer it or they're going to get passed up and – that's, I mean, after spring football, you see a wave of transfers where people, you know, start to see the writing on the wall, and it's, oh, I, I thought this was my year. I'm, this is clearly not my year here, and you start to see some, you know, the waiver wires start to heat up. So, uh, certainly, there's going to be a bunch of players on Florida's roster. I think that that will fit that, um, fit that mold, and um, you'll, you'll have to see it play out. But there's so many guys, as you said, it's almost like a log jam, especially yeah. at that, that buck that even strong side defensive, either defensive end position, um, buck. And there's, there's kind of a log jam there. It's not a bad problem to have if you're a coach. You'd rather have more talented players than, than not have enough. Yeah. And the other last one, he brought up more of an inside guy. Uh, Humphreys is another that would be, yeah, be battling 
back after getting injured. Uh, but you know he's a redshirt freshman. He'll be stuck behind Kyrie Campbell. Elijah Conliffe returns from injury as well from last year. Uh, so uh, he's another. Uh, Conliffe is one guy because of his tough injury luck last year. I think it was more concussions, right, Nick? It was what we heard. Um, Conliffe? No, Conliffe had um, surgery. Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's yeah, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, um, Conliffe got hurt. I think it was. Well, I remember I remember because uh, Mullen was having his like Thursday night radio show. I remember saying he was going to be out for the year. And I remember you asked me about it. Cause I saw, I was listening to it on the, on the tuning app. Yeah. So I remember I sent it, but yeah, I don't think we ever really heard clear. What think, was the issue? Yeah. Like I think he tore his ACL. It was either his ACL or his, or his. Yeah. I'll have to go or ankle. Yeah. He had, he had surgery and he missed the year with the, with the surgery. He was one. I, I, I put him and TJ Slayton kind of like on. Yeah put up or shut up last year. And I think Slayton was shutting up for most of the beginning of the year and then kind of, then kind of showed up. Um, and I think, I, I think you just, the biggest thing with him is keeping him motivated and keeping him focused. Um, well, he and, got a lot of love at the late, you know, late last season. Yeah, so hopefully yeah. that, hopefully that's the, uh, the light bulb. The Bam Bam Bros, him, him, him <laughs> and Zach Carter. And I mean, Zach Carter looks like a, like one of the monsters from space jam. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, there's just there's a lot of guys there, but like you said, I think Conliff, I think he's back. We didn't. I, it's on us. We didn't ask about him today. Um, but Jalen Humphreys, I, I never expected him to play last year, coming off of his mm-hmm. ACL injury. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you're not going to keep some of these guys off the field. You're not keeping you know Kyrie Campbell off the field. I think you're not keeping T.J. Slayton off the field. Um, so where do those guys kind of fit in with Marlon Dunlap and, and, yeah. and the incoming freshman as well? Right. A lot of those guys, like I said, especially Kyrie Campbell and Dunlap, just too much experience and uh, too much, you know, I think uh, coaches like those guys. Uh, for, for, and I'm excited to see um, see Lamar Goods inside yeah. as well. And then Antoine Powell looks like he's put on 45 pounds since he got on campus. Um, so. and, that's just, and that's just spring. We're not even talking about, you know, Dervon Dexter showing yeah. show, show yeah, up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this, 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 the question from Tyler is is a legitimate one. You know, those guys have to show up this spring because Florida's got a lot of a lot of trench talent coming in. There's a reason why you see like the wave of transfer portals after mm-hmm. after spring is because hey, I I thought something was going to happen, and then you you really you really get to see it, and um, these, especially with how many people, how many kids um, early enroll nowadays. Yeah. Uh, so you, you go from all right, well, so-and-so left, and he left, and he left, so I've got to be next up on the depth chart. And all of a sudden, this monster comes in from high school and passes you up in the first week of spring, and you're thinking, all right, well, this is not my year here. All right, all right. Um, so that was it for our defensive preview here. Um, and uh, thanks for everybody who sent their questions in the last couple of weeks. Offensive side last week, defensive side this week. Uh, Nick will uh, quickly – you were there, Dan Mullen's uh, opening spring press conference there, a week before uh, spring practice starts. Uh, a couple highlights here, quotes, uh, of course, on the uh, quarterback battle, uh, talking with uh, about Kyle Trask. Quote, better push himself and continue to work every day and compete at the highest level so that he can remain starter. Of course, uh, everybody takes that as a quarterback battle heading <laughs> into spring, uh, that it's a wide-open battle. But uh, there was only one quarterback talking to the media today. So if you want, if you want that to uh, let the let let it tip the cap of uh, of Mullen, uh, there you go. It was t- and it, it was, was one. Bill, 
there's only going to be one quarterback in Atlanta uh, when they go for SC media days. <laughs> and he yep. said the same thing about Felipe and Kyle last year, and there was no quarterback battle last year. It was him, and like you can say whatever you want. Felipe, that's why we we hit him. We hit him with the hard the hard journalism today. So yeah, every every position's on the line. Kicker, he goes, yeah, it's on the line. He goes, I don't know if it's actually on the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just it. I mean, you know, there there's a. A made-up battle out there. Uh, I think it's going to be Kyle Trask. Uh, I think most people know that, uh, of course, uh, and, and go with that. Uh, there's there is a contingent out there of of people wanting Emory to start, uh, and look, ultimately it, it it will happen if if it's destined to be that way. Um, another one that really uh, I retweeted it from you today, Nick. One that uh, really caught my eye here. Uh, Malik Davis and Mullen saying he's excited to see Malik Davis. Says he doesn't think Davis was 100% healthy or mentally healthy last year, uh, as far as trusting himself because of the previous injuries. And I mean, hopefully that's the case. We were all excited for the short amount of time we got to see him in a downtrodden 2017, uh, and he was one of the long bright spots we could keep pointing to in that 2017 year when everything was going so wrong. Even before he was injured, okay, there's one guy who has some playmaking ability and just because of injuries and, and, and maybe trying to get over those injuries, we just haven't seen it again. Yeah. Especially with the back like him and, and he's, you know, stopping a dime and move and, and, and cut and um, shifty guy to, to be able to go back out there in pads with 11 guys trying to hurt you and trying to tackle you and to plant and put all your weight when you're running full speed on that knee again. And do you really trust it? And um it's interesting. I mean, we I think we all knew last year going into it that Michael Piran was going to be the bell cow. Um, when you look at it now, you've got Lorenzo Lingard, who uh, will be filing a waiver um, to try to be eligible, but he'll be able to participate in the spring. You've got uh, Pierce and, and then Davis and Clement, you know, kind of fills in if we we're talking about guys that uh, might be looking for new homes at the end of spring. But uh, <laughs> Nikon, right? Yeah, uh, Naquan Wright. It, it's a yeah. it's a loaded backfield again, um, and potentially Zach Evans. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Pot- I, potentially. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, you said it, not me. <laughs> his his mentions. He's at SEC Dave. <laughs> um, or Gators Dave. I got wrong. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where he fits in. They don't really have and, – and Mullen was talking when he was talking about the running backs, talked about P. Ryan has kind of played to their strengths last year, and they used, they, they couldn't run the ball. The offensive line couldn't get that kind of push. So P. Ryan was able to catch the ball, and um, they used him that way. I don't think they have a running back that is that same kind of pass catcher, but you hope that your offensive line is better this year. So maybe you can run the ball and, and do other things. So that's certainly a battle. Hey, we're not talking about quarterback battle. But um, we just listed off like six running backs. And we had, I have no idea who will take the first snap um, in 2020. Yeah, I mean, look, just six running backs, all the names we just listed on the defensive side of the ball. I, uh, it, it, thank, all, you, thank God you didn't ask me to give you like a depth chart. I, I have no idea. No, it, 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 you can't. I mean, just, and as Mullen said, though, they do have a chance uh, right now of being just three deep across the board and, and feeling pretty comfortable about it uh, there. One more thing from the uh, presser today. Uh, you guys talking to Kyle Pitts up to 246 after playing at 235 last year. Um, man, that's a, that's a scary proposition for opposing defenses. 
Yeah, and, and uh, we'll see what Tim Brewster's able to do because he's yeah. not just a recruiter. Um, he's coached some really good tight ends as well. Um, to me, Pitts, uh, it's the sky. There's there is no limit for him when it comes to uh, you know athleticism and being a pass catcher. I just want to see him like round his game out. Yeah. Um, so that you're not only you know so that you can put him on the line and it's not like okay hey he's going to be running out like you can put him on the line you can run behind him. I, that's I think that's the next step in you know in his Pokemon evolution is to, uh, <laughs> to be able to sit that, sit there with three fingers in the ground, you know, in a three point stance and fire off the line and, and you know, and punch somebody in the mouth and, and, and be a lead blocker in that way. Cause we already know what kind of mismatch he is on offense. Yep. Yep. Uh, quickly, Nick, we'll wrap up here. Quick recruiting update. Of course, big junior day was a hit for the Gators. Uh, got a tight end commitment out of it while we're on tight end. Nick Elksness comes, uh, commits to Florida three star rated, uh, 380th best player in the country. Uh, one expected to rise 6'6", 220 from Episcopal High School here in Jacksonville. Uh, good to see the Gators get a 904 kid. Uh, former Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Mark Brunell, he's the head coach at Episcopal uh, and works with me at, w- at WJXT News for Jacks, had this to say. Uh, Nick's success in the classroom and on the football field makes us all at Episcopal very proud. He's a hard worker, he's a leader, and he's coachable. I'm sure he'll do very well at UF. Um, Justin Barney, who covers uh, high school football uh, here in Jacksonville, has covered it for years. Um, uh, had this to say about uh, Elksness. Uh, great get for Florida at Episcopal. I don't think we've seen the be- seen him at his best quite yet. Uh, he really should be a guy who is uncoverable at that level, who takes over a game. He's a big, big guy in 3A football. I think we'll see a greater role in 2020 for him as an offensive playmaker. I've seen him do some really good things on defense, recover fumbles, bring down the quarterback, demolish offensive linemen. People will see that Florida got a tight end commit, but Nick is a really, really good athlete. You see that from watching him play defense. So interesting uh, um, uh, kind of commentary there from uh, you know, a real rounded uh, player. And then uh, uh, Pro Impact Jack 7 versus 7, um, he's, uh, his 7-on-7 seven seven team uh, says, uh, big and physical, but still has the ability to be a legit receiver. I think he'll fit in well with Mullins' offense. So, you know, the thought is we haven't seen the best of him, Nick. He can get better. Uh, this coming up year, playing in 3A, he's a mismatch for a lot of the, you know, his size is a mismatch for a lot of teams he plays uh, here in, in high school, here in, uh, in the Jacksonville area. Uh, doing well in the camp circuit, and hopefully that translates to a bigger senior season from him. Brewster, in this short time, has his second tight end committed uh, in the last two weeks and four weeks on the job. Hey, go help Knox now. Do I? <laughs> <laughs> go help the other guys. Hey, your, your class is done. Go, go. Just send them, send them on the road. Just tag along with the other coaches because your position is locked up and ready. Um, it, it's interesting. It's so funny. I thought it was so funny when, uh, well, Florida never, you know, like officially announced it, but when Brewster started yeah. tweeting that stuff, everyone's clamoring to get unblocked because he's like he's like Kevin Garnett. He's the guy that if he's on your team, you love him. You love him. If you are, if he's not in your team, you can't stand that guy. And I think he had had half a Gator Twitter blocked because of stuff that they would say to him after you know he was tweeting, tweeting, and getting kids and pulling kids, and he was you know the big ringleader behind the Dalvin Cook commitment or flip at FSU. And uh, I thought it was hilarious people trying to get him to unblock him. It looks like he's unblocked a bunch of you guys. Yeah, I had to. Uh, so that's good. Were you I blocked, had- here, Dave? 
No, I wasn't blocked, luckily. Okay. Um, I probably should have been, but I guess I was, <laughs> I, I, I'm a little more reserved. Slipped through the cracks. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little reserved, more reserved there. But uh, I had to screenshot some of his tweets just so some of the followers could see it because there were so many of them blocked. Really? So. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And it just kept popping up. It'd be like five, six, seven people a day. Tell Brewster to, to unblock me. I'm like, no, man, you made your bed. You lay in it. <laughs> You fired off those tweets that got you blocked, and now you got to you got to sit there and and deal with the consequences. But he's it's incredible. I mean, he's been here for what a month? Yeah, already already locked up two 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 two, uh, two commits to his position, and um, yeah, Dan Mullen said you know he just has that electric kind of personality that he's never walked into a room and uh, you know left with more left with less friends than when he came in. So uh, I'll. I'll I'll be interested to, to see him and, and do our first interview with him sometime in the spring and uh, kind of see what makes him tick. Yeah, um, a lot of commits or a lot of recruits have brought his name up. As you said, Nick, a lot of um, other position groups, a lot of position players have brought his name up in interviews since the, uh, the last couple of days of, the, of this Florida Junior Day. Uh, so we'll quickly wrap it up with just kind of their big-time targets. The Gators made a great move on. Five stars cornerback Jason Marshall, defensive tackle Leonard Taylor, also on four star wide receiver Marcus Burt, and so hopefully also made further strides with highly rated four stars defensive end uh, Tamise Adelie, uh, safety Amari Harvey, defensive end Bryce Langston, defensive tackle Desmond Watson. You know it was a who's who in Gainesville uh, this past weekend, Nick, and and the Gators are, are setting themselves up well for this 2021 class. Yeah, I mean, the twenty the recruiting for twenty twenty one started a long time ago too, didn't it? I mean, like almost immediately once they got to campus. I mean, well, immediately when they get the, that coach stuff gets to campus, it's like all hands on deck because they've got you know six weeks to get a recruiting class. But this twenty twenty one class, I feel like at some point might have had more commits than the twenty twenty class had, <laughs> and you're starting to see you know that pay off now with you know I think they're number two. You said right now behind Ohio State. Yep. I think one on rivals and two on 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, and, and that also makes sense. Um, it, it certainly it helps, you know, when Jim McElwain comes over um, from Colorado state, he's not recruiting those same kind of players. So he doesn't have the relationships that, you know, an SEC caliber player has Dan Mullen's coming from Mississippi state. And granted there's kids that will come to Florida that would not have given Mississippi state the time of day, mm-hmm. but Dan Mullen coming from the SEC that's still the quality of kids. So he might've had relationships with these players, the, the quality of players that they're going to go after at Florida um, already in this 2021 class. I think you're just seeing it pay off now to have that, you know, going into the third year of the program, you've had success on the field. You're still trending upward. Um, I don't think it can be overstated, Nick, the, the coaching changes Dan Mullen made after year one mm-hmm. and how far those relationships have went and really kind of this class. No, absolutely. And not only, I mean, I, I don't know how good Tory and Gray is as a recruiter, but I think the, like his results speak for themselves. Yeah. Like, that was one of the moves. And it was kind of like, hey, I don't know if Tory and Gray is the guy that, that you know closes in the living room. I think he's the guy that closes because you look at the guys he's coached and his success rate of getting guys from college to the pros, and that does his recruiting for him. Yeah. Uh, you got a guy like Tim Brewster, who I think could sell ice to an Eskimo. Um, in Antarctica. Yeah. And, and David Turner's, I mean, kind of seems like that. Yeah, you know. Dance moves, but yeah, David Turner's a closer too. <laughs> it might not be the dance moves, but David Turner's a closer too. And he, maybe he's another guy, you know, kind of like Torian Gray, where 
his results speak for himself. And look at the guys that, that he's coached in the league and in college and guys that in college that went to the league. And um, it's a really, really good and impressive coaching staff, um, I think, both on the field and off the field. Yeah, and behind the scenes recruiting staff has uh, been retooled as well, you know, within the last year or so. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it was a hard lesson, I think, for Mullen to begin with <laughs> right here at Florida. Uh, but he quickly remedied it uh, by getting the right coaches on staff and the, and the right recruiting support staff there. So it looks like this 2021 class is uh, is bearing that fruit. So. All right, Nick, man, uh, as you said, was it? we're recording on a Monday night. So you got FSU, Florida baseball on Tuesday and Georgia Florida baseball during the weekend and uh, covering some Gator basketball in the, in between there, man, you just said Florida state, Florida and Georgia, Florida. Uh, yeah. You better get roasted for that. <laughs> you better get roasted for that. You got to know the, that. I was just thinking of the team Florida had to play. I know so. who the audience is and, and say it in the correct order, Dave. When I'm talking about the Florida Georgia game now, it is. Uh, uh, I don't uh, even know if that's how you would say it normally. I think you're just putting it on a show right now because you've been called out. Uh, you might have caught me there. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, but uh, Gator, yeah, all that good stuff at Gator Country this week. I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, basketball up in Nashville. No, but you're not making a trip up there, right? I love Nashville, but I will not be there. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta be here for baseball. Gotta be here for. Uh, Baseball and uh, football will be starting too, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know oh, if yeah. I can get up to Nashville and back before you know Monday and um, with the start of spring spring practice. Yeah, hopefully the uh, coronavirus doesn't keep us away. <laughs> yeah, I mean Florida. So Florida just today said that um, UF, not the UAA. Yeah, they recommended that all in-person classes be done online. Now it's not mandatory. There's it's just just a recommendation. I haven't heard anything from. University Athletic Association, but then I'm thinking like, man, are Florida and Georgia going to play a baseball game in front of just the media in the press box this weekend? Yeah. Or do you start getting, you know, all these open practices that yeah. football have, but for an opportunity for the fans is to get to a point where it's, hey, all practice is closed. We can't, yeah. you know, only essential personnel. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, probably definitely worth keeping an eye on because the NBA is even talking about yeah. know, just, just doing that. So you, I think it, if you see the NBA go that way, I think you'll see or start seeing colleges. The entire so. country of Italy is on quarantine. <laughs> the whole country. That's, yeah, it's crazy. So it might, you, you know, some of you might label it as an overreaction, but I think it's at least watching out for, looking out for yeah. to kind of see uh, where, where, where uh, all this stuff breaks down. So Can you imagine an empty swamp for a spring game? Oh, man. No, as long as they televise it, I guess we're okay. But that would uh, that would stink. Yeah. So got to get the tailgating in. Yeah, <laughs> outside tailgating. Let us in, but we'll be outside drinking beer. Yeah, exactly. So, uh right, Nick, man, thank you much. As uh, everybody, you can follow Nick at uh, at GatorCountry.com. Follow him on Twitter as well at Nick Delatore GC. Anything else, Nick? I'm all good. Thanks for having me on, and uh, look forward to getting back on whenever whenever you ask. Now that Will Salmon's gone, maybe I'll. Be on the show more. <laughs> that will, man, throw me some shade. <laughs> no, it's all good. Nah, we, we, definitely, definitely get you on more, man. All right, Nick DeLaTorre from GatorCountry.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. You guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>